I'm Archbishop Alan Vigneron of the Archdiocese of Detroit, and this is the Eyes on Jesus podcast. Hello and welcome to the Eyes on Jesus podcast with Archbishop Alan Vigneron. I'm your host, Mike Chamberlain. And I'm your host, Mary Wilkerson. We are excited to release new episodes once a month, so please make sure to subscribe and review wherever it is that you listen to podcasts. Archbishop, welcome once again, and thank you so much for joining us. How are you? I'm doing well. Thank you, Mike. Good to be with you, Mary. Hello. Archbishop, how has your last month been? Things been uh, well for you? Well, it has been very good. Uh, You know, everybody's looking forward to summer. People want to get a lot of uh, tasks off their desk, uh, Mm -hmm. meetings completed. And so I find uh, the last weeks of spring to be a kind of, uh, uh, they're not even so much a marathon. It's like we're sprinting into summer. Yeah. So true. Yeah, sure, you're just trying to get ready to take that kind of longer break, but get all of your ducks in a row, right? Exactly. Archbishop, also in June, the Archdiocese of Detroit is hosting its first Missionary Renewal Assembly. This is an opportunity for those ministering in our families of parishes to come together to pray and to recommit themselves to a missionary identity. This episode is being recorded before the assembly has taken place. So instead of looking back on it and reflecting on the good that was done, as you look ahead, what are some of the motivations for this event and the intentions behind it? Well, Mary, I consider that the assembly is uh, kind of a a mini experience of the Synod uh, in 2016, which was, uh, we can forget that it was seven years ago and we've had COVID in between. And uh, I think it's very important to, my word, recapitulate, recap, uh, recapture uh, some the graces of uh, 2016. Mm -hmm. And I look at the assembly as an opportunity uh, for us, uh, especially for us who are leaders in the parish, uh, to uh, be refreshed in the graces of the synod and rededicated, and uh, to uh, be motivated to make the offering of ourselves. Uh, I am very clear. I understand that being on mission uh, is—it's uh, it's an oblation. It's an offering. It does require self-sacrifice. Our Lord told us it would. And uh, I'm hoping that we can uh, be together to uh, be strengthened, to make that offering of ourselves to as missionary disciples and be encouraged uh, by seeing one another, the brothers and sisters, make that same offering. That's my hope. There's something so special, too, I think. As, even coming out of COVID still, and you referenced this, gathering together in, in person, for prayer and for community, I think that automatically kind of bolsters um, hope and joy when we're together in the same missionary field. Do you find that sometimes? Oh, indeed. And I think yeah. our Lord himself uh, adumbrated that truth when he yeah. sent the uh, the disciples out two by two. Right. Uh, missionary work is not solitary work. Missionary yes. work is teamwork. And uh, it's not easy sometimes to be a team. Uh, that requires its own uh, uh, self-abnegation. True. But uh, we're stronger when we work uh, as a team and depend on one another. Oh. And that's Amen. tough. I think uh, particularly uh, in the culture that we grow up in here in the 21st century of the United mm-hmm. States, where uh, we put so much reliance on individuality uh, I think it, it's not easy always to uh, work as a team and, and make the 
make the self-sacrifices and the self-denial that are required to be a team. Right. But you're both well, married, so you know that that's yeah. true. <laughs> uh-huh. And I've worked in the church for a long time. so <laughs> And that's why I love that we, uh, uh, the reference point of gathering together to pray too, right? Because that supernatural grace to be able to enable us to maybe drop some of our defenses and work together in this kingdom and the common goal is a really beautiful thing. But as you said, it's a hard thing. And so I think uh, anytime we can get together and pray and really unite our efforts before the Lord, it's just so good. Well, Mary, you, you've hit upon a really important point when you talk about the common goal. I mean, yeah. anybody who's any sort of leader in an organization knows that you have to articulate the common goal. Uh, yeah. We serve the church and uh, evangelization. And so the goal we have in common is held not just by us uh, who are agents, but it's a goal that we share in common with Jesus. Mm-hmm. And so that's one of the reasons is very important. It's essential to pray so yeah. that we can uh, be ha- have him be at the center of, uh, of our team. Right. Mm-hmm. So good. Well, and speaking of the common goal, I'm excited because today's topic, we get to talk about the universal call to holiness. This is a teaching of the church that uh, reminds us that all people are called to be holy. Can you expand a little bit on what this means and uh, where this teaching comes from? Where it comes from? It comes yes. from Jesus, Mary. <laughs> <laughs> that is, yes. yes. Uh, you, he told us we have to be perfect as our Heavenly Father is perfect. Uh, come after me, he told us. Take up your cross, follow me. He's invited us to be like him. Uh, that's what discipleship is. That's why he's not, not a, a guru. Uh, mm-hmm. He is the Savior. He invites us to live his life, which is uh, was, his holiness. What uh, your first part of the question was, uh, you yes. Expanding on maybe Expanding what that Expanding on it. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I mean, I, mean, uh, holiness, <laughs> I've started there already, haven't I? Yeah. Holiness, yeah. Uh, the primordial, the, the basic sense of holiness is the otherness of God, that God is uh, beyond uh, uh, the ordinary parts of his creation. He stands... Mm. Uh, uh, above and beyond, and uh, he's he's totally other, and his holiness is uh, this otherness, which is a moral, which also includes moral perfection. Mm. He's uh, perfect beyond uh, perfection as we know it, and so uh, we're called to uh, share in his holiness, and that's made possible through through Christ. This very important way we think about it is articulated by St. Paul, where he talks about grace, that uh, the demands of holiness in the law uh, stand for everybody. But with Christ, now we have the strength, we have the Holy Spirit to be able to live the law. Uh, we live in grace. Uh, that's that's what the the call to holiness is. It's to live the life of of the made present in us by the Spirit of Jesus. Uh, and my one of my favorite ways to think about it is, holiness means being God's daughter and son to the full. That's holiness. That's the image of holiness, is uh, sonship, daughtership. That's that's being holy, and we're all called to that. It's the foundational vocation. It's the it's the shape of every particular vocation. So there's uh, the kind of holiness 
that's proper to uh, married life. There's the kind of holiness that's uh, proper to uh, being a monk, being a nun, being a religious woman, being a priest, being a deacon. Uh, these are all uh, particularizations. Uh, you might think if somebody's a little bit of a biologist, you could think of uh, the universal call as the genus, and then there are species of, of it, the, the ways that uh, holiness is lived out. And <clears throat> the great doctors of the church remind us that uh, there's no one uh, particular instantiation of uh, the way to holiness. It's all about charity. But what might be the right way for uh, a married woman to live a life of charity is not necessarily the way that a, uh, a cloistered nun is going to live that life of charity. And, and I, I think something, else, you know, I've talked about uh, genus and species, if that's not too obscure for us all. But it's also very important to realize that the vocation to holiness is very particular that, uh, Mike, do you have a brother? I don't, I just have sisters. <laughs> What's your sister's name? Uh, Cheryl one name. Ter oh, just one, <laughs> Cheryl. Cheryl, all right, the way for Cheryl to be holy is not gonna be identical for the way Mike is holy. Yeah. That uh, God delights in the particularities of his creatures. That's why there are many. Mm. Uh, it's, a, it's a manifestation of the the fullness of God's goodness, that he can be reflected in so many different uh, perspectives, so many different profiles. And so uh, each of us is called to a particular way to be holy. So I'm called to be a holy bishop, yeah. but uh, I'm not gonna be a holy bishop the same way Ambrose was. Now there'll be some <laughs> things that are similar, but I'm gonna have to do it uh, in my own very individual, particular way. Hmm. And one way for us as disciples of Jesus to understand this is that the richness of the spirit of Jesus is so great that no one of us can capture it and, and reflect upon it, reflect it uh, perfectly. There's a way for you, Mike, uh, to be Jesus' presence in the 21st century in Southeast Michigan that's different from the way I can do it. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and God is glorified in that. Part of what we need to do in our discernment is to understand what is the particular will God has for me as his, as his son, or for a woman as his daughter, uh, to embody Christ here and now. Because if I don't do it the way God calls me to do it, it's not going to be done that way. Now, he, uh -huh. God's got other plans. He can, he can, he's not going to be limited right. if I fail to uh, incarnate Christ. But uh, my, uh, it, it won't happen uh, the way he originally planned. There's a mission for each of us. God oh. made each of us with some very particular mission. And if, it, if, we, if we don't respond to it, if I don't respond to it, it won't get done. Mm. He'll have to, he will find another way. But uh, there will, there's not going to be some sort of doppelganger, uh, some yeah. sort of uh, yeah. uh, alternate identity to me that he yeah. will rely on. 
what I'm really hearing you say, obviously, is that the, you know, the sense of holiness, I think sometimes we can get into a, um, a way of thinking where like holiness is for, for between me and God, you know, between me and, and how I relate to him. And it's very personal. And, and that's all true. But it's ultimately, it's both that and also for the sake of others, which I think is what I'm hearing you say, you know, like, we have a particular mission that we've been given. And if we don't complete that, not only is our own kind of relationship to God and salvation on the line, mm. but also the, the the sake of others is also on the line because we have a part to play in his greater uh, mission. So I, I love that you're kind of relating both those pieces when it comes to holiness, because in the past, I think it's over it's overemphasized that just the relationship between you and God. You know what I mean? Yeah, I do. And uh, as a matter of fact, by fulfilling my mission and being at the service of others, uh, I grow closer to to the Father. This is the this is the the truth of the life of Jesus. And uh, uh, you know the the two great commandments are really uh, of one piece. They're they're about being for Him. It's about being the Son, and this is what the Son does. Uh, he loves the Father, and for the love of the Father, He loves the children of the Father, the other children. And uh, there's no uh, c competition between these two loves. Uh, hmm. They are all, uh, they are moments of the same reality, moments of the movement of the Holy Spirit. That's so good. And I, I love too what you were saying, um, just in my own life as a mother, seeing how the call to holiness is so individualized and changes, right? So I got married when I was later, I was 30 and I had children and trying to adapt my prayer life and my work, um, in the church when I had a young family was, it was a point of tension. And I'm so glad for the, uh, mentor mothers in my life that explained, you know, your call to holiness now is the work that you're doing at home and the changing of diapers and the washing of the dishes and the waking up early so that you can have quiet time with God before you start your day. But maybe you can't go to daily mass anymore because <laughs> there's too many little people. And so I, I love that individualized reality that you spoke of when you were talking to Mike about how everybody's call is different. And a lot of it depends on state of life and even season of life, right? So my how I live out holiness is going to look different now that my kids are getting older than it did when they were younger, before I was married, all of that kind of stuff. Well, um, you said, Mary, a lot. I think yeah. everything depends yeah. yes. <laughs> on state of life and right. uh, uh, stage of life. Uh, yeah. That's where we're called to be, uh, where you, we're called to be daughters and son, sons of God. That's yeah. why I think... Uh, the doctrine uh, of uh, the teaching of St. Therese, the little flower, is so uh, appropriate. I mean, she talked about the little way, yeah. that uh, diapers, diaper changing yeah. is part of the little way for right. a, a mom with a baby. Yeah. Not, I gather it's not part of your life anymore. No. You, you've moved beyond that. But, but it, it uh, took a moment to kind of learn that, Archbishop, to, you know, because it's almost like you feel like you're failing when your life switches and you don't have the time to do what you once did. And actually, St. Therese and other mothers really helped me through that state of life. And like, this is all part of God's kingdom, all the service that you're doing in your little domestic church, you know, um, it's so good. Well, and what is the task ultimately that God has put in front of us? Mm. Uh, it, we aim to accomplish certain goods, but what God really wants from us, the work that is most important is the offering of ourselves. Mm. Um, yeah. There are many, 
If, yeah. if it was just about results, he could find so many appropriate ways. He could put the angels to work and it would yes. all be perfect. Yes. But what he wants is you. What mm. he wants is me. Uh, and uh, the goals we set for ourselves, the tasks we try to accomplish, uh, have their ultimate worth insofar as in them we're making an offering of ourselves to the Father. And that's not easy. Right. We are... We are born not wanting uh, to be uh, uh, an offering to God, to give ourselves to God. Yeah. We are born with a streak in us that thinks we could be God better than he's God. Sad to say, but that's where we are. You know, we're the children <laughs> of Eve and Adam. Right. That's what we've inherited. Uh, as you referenced that, I, I was thinking about the next question I was going to ask you, and that is that in 2018, Pope Francis published a document. Now I'm going to try to pronounce it, so be be gentle with me. But Gaudete et Exaltate. Yeah, um, you got which, it, Mary. Yeah, You're on your way. <laughs> I worked really hard with Mike before the podcast. Um, and that means rejoice and be glad. Um, an apostolic exhortation on the call to holiness in today's world. In this document, uh, the Holy Father stated that um, we were called to repurpose the call to holiness in a practical way for our own time with all the risks, challenges, and opportunities. And as you talk about some of the difficulty of it, what do you think that the Holy Father meant by the risks, challenges, and opportunities? What's unique in terms of what the, the faithful face today? Well, uh, I, th I think what he, he picks those words, uh, they're all uh, they have a certain uh, similarity, each among the other. Uh, a, a risk is always a challenge. And a challenge is always also an opportunity to move ahead. So we're, these are three names in some sense for the same set of circumstances. And I think what he's asking us to do is uh, to hear uh, again our Lord's call, uh, launch out into the deep, uh, that we have uh, uh, the, uh, the new millennium, uh, the 21st century is very different uh, from uh, the Middle Ages. It's different from a hundred years ago. And he's asking us this, I think this is one of the reasons the word discernment is such a favorite for the Holy Father. He's asking us to discern uh, these new uh, challenges uh, in order to, to be able to respond that uh, Father Ricardo puts it this way sometimes in the way I've heard him say it, we were made for this time uh, mm -hmm. we, we oughtn't to lament that we are not part of uh, those glory days of the 1950s or mm. uh, the glory days of the 1200s, if you, whatever we might be focused on. We're, this is our time, and this is the, uh, the time to, into which we are sent by Christ. And mm. uh, I think it, it does take, uh, uh, and, and the Holy Father is asking us not to lament uh, the challenges we have, but to find joy in, uh, in attempting to meet those and a joy based in, in quiet confidence that God's in charge and he will make, uh, he, he makes the mustard seed to grow into uh, a, great, uh, a, a great plant. Archbishop, hmm. uh -huh. I wonder if, what, what would you say or you think are some of the specific challenges to both the lay faithful and to the clergy 
in today's day and age? You know, in 2023, like you said, it's not the Middle Ages. It's not even, you know, 1950. What are some of those challenges specific that we face today that maybe uh, stretch us or, or make it more difficult to really reach that holiness that we're called to? In uh, the United States and in uh, the industrialized West, I think uh, the great challenge arises because of the uh, rapid uh, secularization of our society. Another phrase I'll borrow from Father Ricardo is, uh, we've lost the wallpaper. Uh, mm. The background of, of a culture that uh, at least uh, in, in many ways, perhaps not, well, in many ways, uh, made uh, the Christian faith and the Christian life uh, normative, ordinary. Mm -hmm. uh, one example being uh, a culture uh, of just a few generations ago, a society that thought the ordinary place for everybody on Sunday was in, in church uh, mm -hmm. and for uh, Jews on Saturday to be at the synagogue. And uh, that's not the way our world this world in the United States thinks any longer. Mm. Um, and that's one example, but yeah. a very important set of uh, convictions that have changed are convictions about uh, healthy sexual morality. This is very different today, or mm. what it, the way to live life as a family, to, to be a father, uh, to be a mother, husband, wife. And so the wind at one time seem to have been at our back and now it's uh, we face them as headwinds in the culture mm. i think that's so we're called to uh, live as god's children and fulfill his will in a in a world that's less supportive of uh, what we're about i think that's a great challenge today you know it's ironic what you're saying to the you know, with those specific challenges and with those specific risks and, and opportunities, if you would, uh, I find it almost ironic in a way because it's easy to get angry or e easy to get um, upset and um, even depressed with the kind of current state of the, the secular culture going in that direction. But it was Pope Francis who, you know, titles the document Rejoice and Be Glad when he's talking yeah. about the call to holiness. Yeah. Um, so in the face of all of this, we're, we're called to actually be, you know, exuberant and joyful and, and rejoice, in fact. So I don't know, Archbishop, if you want to expand on that a little bit, like why? why I do. do you think, yeah, I can, holy, Michael. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, because I think it's, it's, a, it's a very kind of paradoxical joy, but it's the same sort of joy that we read about in the martyrs uh, during the time of the Roman Empire. Uh, mm. They had a joy in being able to uh, be uh, moved by the grace of God to face uh, the challenge of uh, the empire of that day. And they had the joy of knowing that they were giving God glory, uh, which is uh, the most important uh, gift we can make to God is the gift of ourselves. And so it's our joy uh, to, to be challenged and to have from God the the power of His grace to be able to meet those challenges. Uh, that's our that's our joy. That's our exultation, is uh, that we are in the face of uh, things that would move us uh, in a contrary direction toward rebellion. Uh, we are moved by the Holy Spirit uh, to be sons and daughters, and that's. And, and we rejoice for, in, for ourselves, and we rejoice for what we see. Uh, I, I rejoice in seeing uh, you, 
marry you, Mike, uh, live, uh, face the challenges today. Right. And as much as I would like it to be a little easier for you, yeah. and, and I'm not just talking about the two of you, I mean everybody sure. in the archdiocese, I, I, I rejoice in uh, what God is able to accomplish even as uh, we face uh, what the stewardess always calls rough air. Well, I find that an interesting <laughs> uh -huh. expression, the turbulence. Uh -huh. Uh -huh. Sometimes if the plane is bouncing around. And, yeah. But the joy, the exultation is that uh, we're able to stay on course. Yes. Mm. It's interesting because uh, when whenever I get the opportunity to go to some of the bigger cathedral masses and we see... You know, uh, so the ordinations, for instance, this spring, and there's so many priests there and uh, the young church there, new priests becoming, uh, stepping into this life. It is like a supernatural joy that fills my heart, knowing maybe some of the turbulence that we're living in, that God is still so faithful and there's such good everywhere. And uh, so, as you said, you know, looking at our lives and in the lives of the faithful here in the Archdiocese of Detroit, I feel that so strongly when I look at uh, the amount of faithful priests that we have that are doing the work in the diocese and, and beyond in really hard times, you know, in sticking with faith, there's almost something so uh, authentic and awe-inspiring about that, um, where maybe if the culture was less hostile, I, I wouldn't be able to feel it so deeply, uh, the good that is being done. It's, we might call it a Paschal joy. It's a joy mm -hmm. in, in the reality of the Paschal mystery. Yeah. which is always uh, a joy marked by the cross, of course. Yeah. Well, just to go back to the uh, Holy Father's document, um, Pope Francis says that Jesus explained with great simplicity what it means to be holy when he gave us the Beatitudes, calling this set of teachings, the Holy Father, a Christian's identity card. Can you go over the Beatitudes with us? And can we talk about how they relate to holiness in terms of our state in life? And how can we put the Beatitudes in action? I'm going to say something about them in general before I sure. would talk about any one individual. Yeah. Uh, the Beatitudes are really a statement about Jesus. Uh, uh, blessed are those, blessed are they, these are uh, eight uh, particular profiles of the very character and personality of, of Jesus himself. And so uh, they're the charter because they articulate, they outline for us ways to imitate Christ. Uh, to, uh, because it's the spirit of Jesus who works these uh, attitudes, these habits, the, these uh, uh, um, sh who shape us to be poor in spirit. And to be poor in spirit means uh, to rely on, uh, on the riches of, of God and, and not the things of this world. And so the kingdom is ours. Uh, to mourn in the sense that uh, uh, we uh, we don't have in this world the things that the world would say will make us happy. And uh, one particular way to mourn is to mourn over the ways that uh, God the Father is not uh, glorified. Uh, and we will be comforted for that, uh, to be meek like Jesus, uh, hungering and thirst for righteousness. Righteousness is a Bible word meaning holiness, really, being right with God. 
This was the whole point of the ministry of Jesus. He hungered and thirsted for the righteousness of the Father. Uh, he was satisfied, and we will be too in, in Christ. Uh, merciful, the Father is merciful. And our Lord says so very many places that if we are not merciful uh, the way the Father is, we won't receive mercy. Uh, we have to be pure of heart, which means, of course, uh, to be single-minded in our devotion to the Father, uh, which is Christ. Christ is the most pure of heart, and uh, he was rewarded with that for that by being brought back into the presence of the Father, to be peacemakers, uh, to be agents of reconciliation. Jesus uh, spent, his, that's what he died for, was to make peace between uh, our, ourselves and the Father and among ourselves. Uh, and in being that peacemaker, he shows himself to be the Son of God, and we too are sons of God. And persecuted for righteousness' sake, uh, he exemplified that. It was uh, for the sake of his mission of uh, advancing the the righteousness of the kingdom of God that he was ultimately executed. And uh, he told us if uh, uh, they uh, had contempt for the master, they're going to have contempt for us. And so uh, we, this is, these, the Beatitudes are eight uh, tracks or, or eight patterns, I might say, for imitating, imitating Christ. Mm -hmm. And just to conclude, uh, going over this, Mary, I would invite the, uh, uh, the listeners to go to the catechism at 1716 and following, and there's a very good exposition of, about the Beatitudes. The Beatitudes depict the countenance of Jesus Christ, and they portray his charity, his love, I would add, his spirit. Mm. You know, obviously, relaying all of that as far as like, um, like I like, like I said, it all relates to Jesus. You know, typically we tend to think about it, it's an invitation from Jesus uh, to us as far as how we are called to live. It's kind of like a, you know, I've always heard it said it's kind of like a new set of commandments. If you will. we have the original Ten Commandments, then this is kind of set up as a as a new going above and beyond those Ten Commandments of a lifestyle for us. Um, but I love how you said that it really, all of it, really very much relates to how He models for us. So He's kind of paving the way and showing us how his own life is an exemplification of the Beatitudes. And, and beyond that, I know in this same document, Pope Francis obviously proposes, uh, not, not only does he speak into the Beatitudes, but also talks about other spiritual attitudes, uh, which I know kind of coincide with some of the things that you mentioned as good habits within Unleash the Gospel as a document. And I don't know if you want to speak into that and expand on some of those things that Pope Francis points us to within the document. Well, it's not a surprise that the Holy Father and I would be talking about the same realities, <laughs> right, even though yeah. we might use different words, because sure. we're both uh, stewards of the good news of Christ. Right. So the Holy Father talks about perseverance, patience, meekness, and mm. uh, uh, Unleash the Gospel. I, I summarize that as being confident in God. I talk about an attitude of gratitude. The Holy Father talks about joy and a, and a sense of humor. I mm. think we're talking about a, a serene confidence in the, the, the triumph of, of Christ's cross. Mm. Uh, we both talk about boldness. And uh, this is a, a virtue 
an attitude modeled very clearly in the Acts of the Apostles by the first evangelists. And we can be bold uh, because uh, God is with us. And it's about community, the Holy Father says, which means it's about the Holy Spirit who helps us to work together. And ultimately, it's about prayer because this is God's work. And so, as I say in Unleash the Gospel, we have to be docile to the Holy Spirit. And what's beautiful about this, too, is like obviously between Unleash the Gospel and, and, and the good habits that you mentioned, and of course, uh, the Holy Father himself, it's just an exhortation again for our day and age, our 2023 reminder of what Christ obviously has taught us 2,000 years ago is there are certain habits and certain things to cultivate that will assist us. It's kind of the, um, the pathway towards becoming holy, which itself is a pathway towards our heavenly home, right? It's, it's kind of a pathway. It helps us... Uh, you know, it's kind of like the guardrails if you go bowling, right? You know, you have those guardrails that go up sometimes so you don't get into the gutter. <laughs> These are kind of the guardrails that assist us towards, you know, getting all the way down the lane, if you would. That's a weird analogy, but I think you know what I mean. <laughs> <laughs> what do you think, Mary? Is it working? <laughs> it is. It is. It's all right. <laughs> I wanted to ask you one last question, Archbishop Vigran. What advice would you give to someone who is struggling to see opportunities for holiness in their own life, Um, like the specific ways that God wants them to pursue him? Two things. Yep. Uh, One, to begin with the firm conviction that, that this is for me, that this is what God wants for me, is to be holy because to be holy is the way to really be happy. So to have that firm conviction that this is not uh, something for the chosen few, the heroic, but it's God's will for me. And and what he wants for me is my best. I've said it several ways, but this conviction, this commitment to, to become a saint God wants me to be a saint, and I can do it with his help. He can do this in me. That's a better way to put it. And then struggling, how how to look at the struggles for it. Uh, Prayer is essential to uh, quietly ask the Spirit of Christ, uh, what do you want in these things that I find a challenge to my path toward holiness? Uh, and besides that, uh, confession is very important. And uh, in confession, to get whatever advice uh, I, I might need from uh, my confessor from, or from a director about how to, to maintain, uh, stay on the path to holiness. And then the third thing is to have, have a buddy or some buddies. Mary, you talked about uh, the women who helped you Uh, think through some of your struggles and challenges. Uh, There are people that the Holy, that the Holy Spirit will send into our lives to help us uh, so that uh, to accompany us, this would be Pope Francis's term. I think there are Mm -hmm. people put in our, in our lives to accompany us and to be on watch and make use of them. Those would be the three things I think about struggling. Yeah. Good topic. Yeah, really good. I didn't. I didn't know. I wanted to just invite you. I didn't know if there's anything else you wanted to add uh, and, and speak into as far as this topic goes. 
yes, the last thing I would th want to remind people of, and I think it's so important, is that even my shortcomings and my stumbling in the path of holiness can be transformed into stepping stones if I abandon them into God's hands. And this is what's, I think, so powerful about the way God has saved us, mm -hmm. that he has saved us mm -hmm. by, by uh, giving us the, uh, by making it possible for our failures to be transformed into victories. There is no failure that cannot become incorporated into God's glory. So uh, yeah, that's people, so, good. <laughs> so there's no need to be yeah. disheartened by, by failures. Every failure, every stumbling block can become a stepping stone hmm. if we entrust it to Christ, because that's what God wants. God, God doesn't need my tasks to be accomplished. What God really wants is for me to trust him. Gosh, that is such a good reminder. It's mm -hmm. such a key reminder because I think that's one of the most challenging things about this walk is our own personal frustration at ourselves, um, which then can turn into a lack of trusting in God's love for us when we keep trying to pursue this path and fall short so many times. And so that reminder that our shortcomings are part of this unfolding of God's love for us is so good. It takes a lot of the stress out of it. Yeah, yeah. All right. Well, Archbishop, we have reached the point in our podcast where we get to ask you questions that the faithful have submitted. Um, and what we've started doing is we've started asking uh, young people from schools around the area to submit their questions. And so I thought I would start by asking you um, a question from Sophia, who is in eighth grade, and also Miles, who is in 11th grade. They ask, what sacrament do you feel brings you the closest to God? What sacrament is your favorite to celebrate? The source and summit of all the sacraments, uh, the church says, is the Holy Eucharist. And while all of the sacraments bring us closer to Christ uh, to, and in him to the Father, uh, the Eucharist is the culmination of, uh, of uh, uh, that uh, joint, being joined to the Father. And so it is uh, the greatest of my joys to celebrate the Holy Eucharist which is not to deprecate uh, any of the other sacraments, but right. the Eucharist is the sacrament of all sacraments. Uh, Liliana, who is in fifth grade, she asked the question, what makes being an archbishop enjoyable? And also, what are the, what are the harder or more negative aspects of being an archbishop? Uh, what, do I, uh, what do I very much enjoy? Anytime I have the occasion to... Uh, experience bringing someone closer to Christ is mm. that's what gives me joy um, it's kind of it's in some ways uh, the joy that comes with my natural temperament to think of myself or find joy in teaching mm. uh, so so it's about both my preaching my teaching it's about this podcast for example but it's also about my celebration of the sacred liturgies, the sacraments. Uh, whenever I feel have this sense that I'm functioning as a bridge between uh, souls and Christ, that that's what gives me joy. Hmm. What's uh, negative? Uh, again, I just did a 
personality profile, and uh, I'm not much of a detail uh, guy. I found. I mean, I know that <laughs> the, the profile points it out. Yeah. Um, some of the uh, the uh, smaller parts of the administrative tasks that mm. fall to me, mm. I, d I don't really enjoy them. Um, mm. But being the bishop of a church is being the spiritual father of the whole diocese. And uh, I'm very much aware that every dad has uh, yeah. some duties that yep. uh, <laughs> they don't particularly care about. Yeah. Uh, that's I don't so know, true. Mary. Is, uh, you might want to talk about. Well, let's. No, I won't ask you to talk about. <laughs> Although I'm laughing, Archbishop, because I, I'm, I'm thinking of my own husband in that, and and myself, and in, in the jobs that you just have to do. <laughs> you know, and you talk about that. I think about my mother. She hated dusting. Oh, funny. And I never. And I asked her one time, "What? Why?" She said, yeah. "Because you just do it." And, you know, the next day, it's dusty again. That's uh -huh. exactly it. <laughs> but she, like did, she, yeah. she, she didn't give up. I mean, <laughs> and, yeah. I love that. And that is, it's so, that, that is one of the challenges, I think, in the best ways of motherhood is the, the monotony of the tasks that you know, you know, my family room is clean for about 30 seconds before my kids destroy it again in the best ways possible. So that's funny. I hear you. <laughs> All right, our last question is from Andrew in eighth grade. And Andrew asks, is there anything God does not know, or does he know everything about everyone? He does know everything about everyone, and uh, he knows it in a way that is somewhat like, but even more unlike the way we know things. We tend to, uh, it's hard for us to imagine knowing everything because our minds would explode if we tried to know everything all at once. But God knows everything, past, present, and future, all at once. It's all immediately present to him. Uh, it's it's a, a, a knowing beyond what we mean by knowing, but not, not so totally different. It's somewhat like our knowing, but quite different from our knowing. But yes, he knows everything. And loves what he knows. Right. That's very important. Yes. He doesn't love sin, right. but he loves what he, the sinner that he knows. Hmm. Amen. Well, thank you so much for that, uh, Archbishop. Great. Uh, I don't know. I thought it was a great episode. Great points and it's love some stuff that I'm going to definitely walk away with and, and reflect with and think about. So thank you for that. Well, you're welcome. And I hope everybody is, is recommitted to holiness. I, I need everybody in the archdiocese to be a saint. Archbishop, as we kind of conclude this episode, I wanted to, of course, ask you once again, is there anything specific that we, the listeners, and, and Mary and myself can can be keeping in uh, in our prayer uh, as far as your intentions go? Oh, please, uh, to continue to pray for us priests that we will uh, take up again with courage and joy our missionary vocation. Hmm. And to pray for vocations, you know. The year is done, but we still need to keep asking God to send workers into the harvest. Will do, of course. And Archbishop, if you wouldn't mind closing us with a prayer, that'd be, that'd be wonderful. Let's give God the glory. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. May Almighty God bless all of you, the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. 
Stay tuned for the next episode of Eyes on Jesus, a new episode every month. And if you enjoyed listening, you might also enjoy Beyond Sunday, a new podcast from the Archdiocese of Detroit. Find it on your favorite podcast app.